if you're not creating the story, somebody else is. The most driven people in the world want to build great empires and leave a great legacy. This podcast, The Underestimated Entrepreneur, is my attempt at documenting the lessons I'm learning on my way to building a $100 million empire that helps people perform better in life and business. My hope is that you use these lessons to live a kick-ass life while building your own empire and leaving a powerful legacy. I hope you share and enjoy. Driven mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. All right, look, let's talk about the story that you're creating, or maybe you're not creating it. Maybe life's creating it for you. You know, just way too many people in life live in a way where they allow life to dictate their story. So, you know, I have a lot of people who come to me and and I used to do this when I was younger, right? You know, as a young kid, I would go to school, I would fuck up, I would fuck around, and then I would go home and I would bitch and moan and complain. And then because I would get put into special classes, I would think that I'm not good enough and I'm not smart enough. And over time, this became my story. My story was that I was in trouble all the time at school. I was in trouble all the time at home. I didn't have friends. Well, I had a couple of friends, but not really too many people who were close friends. You know, I was a class clown. I used to blame everybody else. And I'd say, you know, it's the teachers that were the problem. And so I just had this habit of blaming everybody else, complaining all the time, whinging, whining, and not taking responsibility and accountability for my life. It got to a point where in my later teenage years, I realized that my life was pretty fucked up, hence why I tried to end it when I was 15, because I realized my life was out of control. But that's because I never controlled my own life. I didn't control my own mind. I didn't control my own thoughts. I didn't control my own narrative that I was creating about life. So my story was a story that was created from my actions, but based on everybody else. It just wasn't a good story. And it wasn't until I got to my early 20s where I started thinking, this isn't the life that I want. I'm allowing everybody else to dictate how I behave in life. I left school and became a diesel mechanic because I didn't know what I wanted to do in life. So I did what everybody else wanted me to do, which was go and either go to university, which wasn't going to happen because I wasn't a smart kid and I got put in special classes. So I was a class clown. I used to fuck around a lot because of that. The only other option that I was told was a trade. I liked working on cars. I liked working on things. And I thought, you know what? I'll go into the mining industry. There's a lot of technology in there. They're sort of progressing. Maybe that's what I want to do. I knew someone who worked for Caterpillar as well, the mining company. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to have a crack. I'm going to get into that. It wasn't really my thing, but I just didn't know any different. Again, I let other people write the story for me because I didn't know any different. And it wasn't until two, two and a half years into my apprenticeship that I thought, hey, shit, this isn't what I want to do. The thing that I love is going to the gym. It's exercising. When I'm there, there's all these great people there that I like hanging out with. You know, we'll go there after work. We spot each other. There's all of these older guys, which, you know, to me back then, they were in their 30s and 40s, and I'm in my early 20s. Now I'm the old guy. But they were older than me. They were all friendly. You know, they'd ask us what we're doing on the weekend. We'd have a chat. We'd talk about girls. We'd talk about what we're doing on the weekend. And I think part of them, they live vicariously through us young guys that were running a mark. But it was cool. It was just a great place, a great supportive place. Now, I'd never really had that at home and I never really had that at school. I mean, I used to have a supportive environment from my dad, like when we build cars and stuff. But home as a whole wasn't really a supportive place. So I just loved it. I loved being there. I I loved helping people. And that's when I realized that I had to start to change the narrative of my life. And that's when I made the commitment to go back and study. It was scary as shit though. So for anyone out there who thinks, you know what, I've got to change my life. I've got to create a different story or I've got to create a different path. It's scary. I'm not going to lie. 
I was scared shitless. I remember going and signing up to become a personal trainer. And just before I went there, all the doubts, all the fears, all the worry. And by the way, I didn't have the money to do it. It wasn't that expensive. Like, I mean, it was expensive back then, but it wasn't expensive. You know, it might've been 1500 bucks or two and a half grand or something like that. I could easily afford it now, but back then it was a lot of money. I was on apprentice wages and I had to save up and then I went on a payment plan. So I put down a deposit and then went on onto a payment option. But when I found something that I love to do, I started to recreate my story. I started to write a different story, which I hadn't ever thought about before. Then when I was in class and I became a straight A student and I was getting straight A's with tests and I would go home and I would study and I would read. I'd never read before. The story's starting to change. Why did the story start to change? Because I decided to change it. I decided that the story that I had about my life wasn't good enough. It wasn't the direction that I wanted to go in. And so I started writing a new story. I started changing my beliefs. Now, your stories are just beliefs. My stories are just beliefs. They're just a whole bunch of made up beliefs. What I realized though was that I could learn. Now, I never thought that before I made that big commitment and the big decision. Now, the decision, so I'm going to go through this situation clearly. I'm scared shitless. I'm afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't have the money, but I still found a way. I made a commitment and decision. That's step number two. Fear, number one. Decision and commitment, number two. Then I found a way, number three. Then from there, I started to recreate the story because when I was there, the narrative started changing. I knew that I was actually half intelligent because when I was there, I loved what I was doing. I went home, I studied. I started reading books, which I'd never really done before. But I would sit there over a weekend and just read a book. I was slow as shit, but I started. After a while, I was like, actually, I enjoy reading. That changed the story. Then going through TAFE or or the school of, of learning to become a personal trainer, again, I'm changing the story because now I'm getting these results back that are saying, actually, you're not a bad student. So I'm going, shit, my story's starting to change. Then I get into the personal training industry and my story changes because I went from being a diesel mechanic, which was my story, to now becoming a personal trainer. That's a different story. Then as I became a personal trainer, I'm now starting to run a business after you know six months to a year of working there. Straight away, the first thing that I did was get a mentor. And my mentor was the guy that I worked with. So he would go and train. I'd say, hey, dude, can I come and train? Can I spot with you? So I would spot him. I would say, hey, mate, let's go out for lunch. You need to eat, I need to eat. And I would go to lunch and I'd ask him questions. So what I realized was the power of asking good questions and aligning yourself with the right people so that you can learn and grow. I started doing that. He gave me an opportunity to help him build a franchise system. Then when we'd done that, I had learned all of this amazing information and I was studying all the time still. And he said, look, you've got great knowledge. Why don't you start to share it? So I started sharing it. I started teaching other people. Now, the first time I ever got on stage and spoke, I remember He asked me to do a presentation on nutrition. Once again, the fear kicks in. I am scared shitless. I was like about to throw up. I was like, what happens if I get up on stage and just freak out? All these fears are coming up in my head. I'm like, shit, I'm going to freeze up there. But once I got in flow, I loved it. And then I wanted to do it again and again and again and again. Then I became a speaker. I became a teacher. So the story keeps changing. And then over time, now I become a business owner, hit over seven figures. So now I'm a millionaire. There's investments and all that other stuff. I've got well over a seven figure business, but now, you know, through investments and things like that, I'm definitely a millionaire, got a supercar. So the story is changing and changing and changing and changing and changing. The problem that most people have is that the story that they have is the story that they have, and that is it. So they say, 
I am where I am today because I had a fucked up childhood. My parents were this way. And because of that, that's why I am how I am now. Cool story, bro. That doesn't have to be a story. It's just that that's the story that you keep reminding yourself of. You can change it. You probably should change it. And you can change it. You just have to go through that sequence of doing shit that you're scared of. Moving towards something that you feel better with, that empowers you more. That allows you to bring out the best in yourself. And the more you do that, the more your story is going to change in life. If you're one of those people who are listening to this and you're just working for money, that's your story. That story can completely change. I tell people all the time, I don't work for money and I still make a shit ton of it. Why? Because I focus on what's important. Money's not important. The results of clients are important. The helping of people are important. The inspiration of people are important. This podcast is important. The coaching sessions that I had today with clients is important. Their results is important. So when I make the important things the important things, life just naturally organically grows. I mean, I'm not stupid. I don't just go, oh, everything's free because there'd be no value exchange. If there's no value exchange, there's no commitment. And as we all know, when people pay, they pay attention. So I'm not done with that. But at the same time, I very rarely focus on it. Like if someone owes me money, I just say, hey, dude, you owe me money. Just pay it into the account. If they don't pay me, I'm like, okay, well, what do we do now? And then we can take it further or whatever. But it very rarely happens. Because if someone is so shit in the first place, I'd just rather not work with them. If someone values what I do and I'm getting them good results, why wouldn't they pay me? Because they know that they're getting something back. I had a client today who has been struggling a little bit, not one of my personal clients, but an event attendee. And I just said, hey, look, you know, we can work together. They wanted to do a one-on-one session. I said, we can work together, but you have to commit to you first. I can't commit to you until you commit to you. If you're not committed to trying to figure out how you can get the money, then I can't commit to you because you're not really committed. And he said, you know what? You're right. I keep going back to my safety zone, to what's comfortable. And he said, I need to step up. And I said, I know if I didn't have that commitment with you and we weren't committed to each other, then it wouldn't work. So when you're committed to getting the result that you want, you will commit fully and commit to me. And then because of that, I know you're going to get the result because the hardest part that most people have to deal with is the actual commitment of how bad do they want something. And most people don't want it bad enough. That's the honest truth. You know, I speak to probably 150 to 200 people a month and the majority of them all have excuses and their excuses are valid, but that's their story. They're not committed enough to, to find a way to get the life that they want. And that's the reason why they don't have the life that they want. Part of the reason why I have a supercar is because I was committed to getting that lifestyle. And here's what really happened. I walked in, I said to Jess, hey, my dream car's come up for sale. Jess said, you can't have it. I said, okay. I walked out of there. The next morning, I called the accountant. I said, hey, look, my dream car's come up. How do we make it work? We sat down. We spoke about it. We actually went out for lunch. I had my executive assistant at the time there as well. We spoke about it. We spoke through it. He said, where do you want to be in the business? I said, this is where I want to be. He said, cool. That'll work if you get there. So start working towards it. Put together a plan and all that shit. In a very short period of time, less than, less than 12 hours, I think, I'd bought the car. Now, was Jess happy? Fuck no, right? Because she saw me taking money out of the business for something that she didn't understand. That's completely understandable. But the thing is that I'm the boss of the company. I run the company. I'm the leader of the company. Therefore, I'm responsible for what does and doesn't work. And everything comes back to me. I'm the one to blame if we don't have cash flow, but I'm also the one who gets rewarded when everything goes well. That's called leadership. Now, there are a lot of people out there who have families. Like I spoke to someone today and they're like, oh, my wife would be unhappy if I made this commitment today. And I was like, cool. I know your story in life. Your story is my wife holds me back. My wife doesn't understand what I want. My wife, my wife, that's who you blame. But you blame her because that's your story. The truth is that she doesn't trust you because you can't make good decisions. 
you're used to saying that you're going to do things and not follow through on them. And so she's afraid if you do this now and invest the money in yourself, that you're not going to get an ROI. Why? Because she's used to you having that story. She has a story about you, which you haven't changed. Now, until you change your story, you're not going to change her story. Therefore, I made the decision. I committed to the car. I worked my ass off. Not only did I pay for the car, but I made sure we were profitable. I made sure we kept getting the money in. And yeah, we had a couple of really tough months where she reminded me, she was like, you fucked up bad. And I was like, no, I didn't. I will figure it out. And I did. And then now we're talking three years later, she does not question me about any of my financial decisions. She just doesn't because she knows if I'm going to make the decision and the commitment that I'm going to follow through on it. I'm disciplined. I'm focused. I have high standards. That's a new story that she's created in her mind. But that was because I created the story in my mind before she got the story. So you can't use those things as excuses because they become your story if you blame everybody else and don't take ownership and responsibility or accountability of the story that you keep creating and reinforcing with others. I have people who say to me, you know, when I go out with my mates, they all drink and they say, go on, have a drink. And then I have a drink and now I'm taking cocaine and fucking, then it's a party. And then I feel like shit the next day and I beat myself up and I wish I didn't do that. And I'm like, cool, that's a cool story. But that's your story. Create a different story. I go out and this is my story. I go out, my friends drink. They say, do you want to drink? 99% of the time, I say no. 1% of the time, I say yes. But 99% of the time, I say no. Why? Because I've got a bigger vision. I've got a bigger mission. I've got a bigger reason. I know how big I want to live life. When they're at the pub all drinking, I would rather be in the US traveling around in private jets, staying in five and six star hotels, being able to eat whatever food that I want. If it's a thousand dollar meal, I can drop a thousand bucks on a meal. I can go and hang out with the most successful people, billionaires. I go and hang out on their yachts, all of that sort of shit. They're the people that I want to surround myself with and I want to hang out with. I can't live that lifestyle when I'm down the pub necking beers on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, you know, when I'm feeling like shit at work and all that sort of stuff. That's not the lifestyle that I want. If that's a lifestyle for them, that's great. That's their story. But it sure as fuck isn't going to cross over into my story. So when I go out, I don't mind if they drink. I'm not judgmental of them. They can drink as much as they want, but they have their standards. I have mine. They're writing their story. I'm writing mine. So I make sure that I don't allow their influence to influence my story. So I let them know. Then what happens is they normally start feeling guilty. I know that. They feel guilty because they know that they could be doing better in life. They know that drinking is not the best thing for them. Now, they just haven't got enough pain yet in order to change it. Or maybe they just don't have a big enough reason. Maybe they're not creating that story. So I still go out. I still hang out with people. They all drink. I choose not to drink. I've never taken drugs. I have hung around. The majority of my friends have all used drugs. My best friend growing up, he went to jail for the use of drugs and the importation of drugs. That's the environment that I, I was surrounded with. I had a choice when I was younger. I was either going to end up in jail or I was going to end up probably being an entrepreneur, right? And, and there's a very fine line between criminal and entrepreneur. They're sort of the same people that just walk different paths. Sometimes they cross over and that does not end well for business owners. But what my point is, is I have my story. So I just don't let their story influence my story unless it influences it in a way that benefits me. Hey Driven Mofos, if you ever want to have the video version of this podcast, which usually has more effects, visuals, graphs, and helps you to retain more of the information that I share, then check out my YouTube channel. I also share bonus in-depth training behind the scenes from some of our live events, plus interviews from some of the country's most successful people. So if you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, then check it out via the link in the description of the podcast. Remember to subscribe to get the latest stuff. Now, in your own life, you have to choose how you want to write. If you give the pen to other people, don't be surprised if they write that story. Sometimes Jess will say to me, 
she'll give me an ultimatum. You either do this or I'm going to act like this and be like this. Back when we were younger, she would say to me, it's either the business or it's me. And I would say, Jess, don't make me make that decision because I won't make that decision. I will have both of you. That's it. I will have a successful business and I will also make our relationship work. If you want to walk away from the relationship, that's on you, but that I'm not going to do that. So you tell me what you want to do. And I put that back onto her because that's her fucking story, not my story. Because of that, that built more trust with her. It built more confidence in her. Do you know something that is actually really off-putting with a lot of men? And if you're listening to this, I'm just going to say this in a way that hopefully resonates. There is nothing more disgusting than sitting on the phone with someone who knows that they want to change, they want to be better, that they want to grow their business, or that they want to change their life and live up to their own expectations. They want to be more disciplined. They want to have higher standards. They want to achieve at a higher level, whether that be their health and fitness, whether it be their mindset, whether it be their business, whether it be their financial situation, whether it be just the way that they feel just in general or being the man that they know that their kids would be proud of. There's nothing more disgusting than sitting on the phone and listening to someone talk about how important it is to change, yet they value money over that change. And the way that I know that they value money over change is because they sit there and tell me about the goals that they want, the lifestyle that they want, and they know something has to change. And I say, right, here's the price. And they go, oh, shit, I need to think about it. And then they use money as an excuse They will use their partner as an excuse. They will say, yeah, but my wife said it's just not the right time at the moment. My business partner said it's not the right time at the moment. You know what? We'll consider this in the new financial year. Here's the thing. You gave your pen to other people. They're writing your story because you're afraid to write it because you're a weak piece of shit. That's the truth. And you know you're a weak piece of shit because you don't have the life that you want. And if you were more disciplined, you would have the life that you want and you would know that you're not a weak piece of shit because you'd be making tough decisions. You're not making tough decisions because you don't believe that you're worth it. Now, I'm not saying that you're a piece of shit because you are a piece of shit. I'm saying you feel like a piece of shit because you keep making decisions that remind you of what a piece of shit you are. You have to change the way you make decisions. Now, I'm talking to the men here especially. Women, on the other hand, it's a bit of a different scenario and a bit of a different situation. Normally, men and women make decisions differently. Women tend to be a lot smarter in the way that they make decisions. They know if they're not feeling good, they will go and do something about it. That is why the majority of my events, especially when I just used to make them for the general public and I would advertise in a balanced way, what would normally happen was that probably about 90% of our events were women because women are way more self-aware mentally, emotionally, physically in their relationships. And then also they feel a lot more unsafe financially. So when finances aren't working, they'll tighten shit up or they'll do something different. Most men, on the other hand, they could be in financial ruins and they'll still be spending money like an absolute moron on alcohol, drugs, partying, cars, all of that shit. That's how most men operate. Most men don't even know that their relationship is absolute turmoil until their partner walks out the door and never comes back. And most weeks I speak to a man who said, my wife just left or my wife took my kids or I'm going through a divorce because my wife just left. She didn't just leave. She had two to three years thinking about that. And she probably tried so many different ways to make it work. But most men are so dense and so docile and so dopey that they sit there and they don't realize all these hints and clues. And sometimes the wife will even say, if you don't fucking change, I'm out of here. And she'll say it like a hundred times and the guy's like, Oh, well, fucking hell, well, fucking work hard. Why he's sitting there smashing a beer, watching the sport on the weekend. 
it's not working hard, right? It's just that the, the guy's so unaware. So normally women tend to be a lot more aware, which is why I said that this is mainly for men because men are the ones that need to kick in the ass. Men are normally the ones who need a firecracker up their bum. Women tend to be more self-aware and so they'll change things. This is also the reason why if a woman is with a weak man, she will naturally bring up a whole bunch of her fears and worries and concerns consistently, especially around money and the home environment. So when a man says to me, my wife doesn't want me to do this. My wife doesn't understand. My wife always complains about the money. My wife doesn't want me spending money on this stuff. I already know that she does not trust him. She has lost faith that he is the warrior that he was supposed to be. I know that. Because a wife in a relationship with a true man, a fucking warrior, when a man says, I'm going to do this and they do it, their intimate partner says, I feel safe. When a man says, I will make sure that the bills get paid every week and he can't do that, that makes her feel unsafe. When a man says, I'll be home at nine o'clock and gets home at three o'clock the next night or you know that night, stinking of alcohol and all that shit. She's like, what's happened? All of that, all of her worries and fears and concerns come up. Women naturally tend to be wired for survival differently. Men tend to be hunters and warriors. Women tend to be more safety orientated because they need to take care of the family or the nest. And so a woman, especially if there's something that's unsafe going on, will naturally want to protect, stay safe and secure. That is why women tend to make financial decisions differently. They will want to be safe and secure. Men normally want to go out and conquer shit. So I speak to most men. They're like, I want to grow the business. I want to make more money. I want to be able to travel more. I want to support my family more. I want to have a bigger house. That's because they want to go out there and conquer shit because they're naturally intrinsically driven to do that. Most women, on the other hand, aren't like, I want to go out and fucking crank business and make a shit ton of money and, and you know, dominate marketplaces and stuff like that. Some do, but they, they tend to be more masculine. Sometimes women think that they want that until they do it and then they go, shit, I feel like I'm out of place here. Now, some women can because they're naturally more masculine. So I don't want you to think that I'm having to dig at genders or whatever because I'm not. It's just in general, if you look at intimate relationships, this is the way that most heterosexual relationships work. Now, even in homosexual relationships, one person is more feminine, one person is more masculine. The masculine person wants to go out, conquer, grow, be a warrior, hunt. They're all the things that they want to do. Now, hunting means hunt for more money, hunt for more status, hunt for more power, achieve more, learn more, grow more, develop more. Whatever the thing is, they want to normally be better because they want their peers to look at them and say, that's a real man. That's someone I look up to and that's who I admire. This is why I know that most men value admiration more than most other things. Because a man who is a, a real warrior, when he's around other men, other men are like, fucking hell, that dude's crushing it. That guy looks good. That guy's making a ton of money. And there's part of them that admires that person. I spoke to a client of mine today. We are talking. I was talking to him about his health. He's quite wealthy. I said to him, look, when you go out and you meet all these amazing people, like he was telling me how they took their boat or their yacht away, and they caught up with a whole bunch of people. And, and one of them is a very well-known family of billionaires. They're well over, you know, multi-billion dollar family. And I said, when you met them, I'm sure that you thought, wow, that their money is impressive, right? And he said, yeah, of course I did. And I said, but did you think that person was impressive as a person? And he said, well, sort of. I, I saw his business acumen as being impressive, but not so much his health. When I looked at him, he looked like he was 20 years older than maybe what he should have been. He was overweight. He was drinking alcohol. He was overeating food. And there was part of me that was like, oh, it's 
bit gross. I'll say this. If you see a big buff dude, jacked, this guy's jacked, and he walks into a room of very successful business owners, multimillionaires, what's your first impression? He goes, oh, he's probably a juice head. And I said, so straight away, you look at that person and go, he's probably just a juice head. And I said, but let's say now that that room, there's a $10 million minimum buy-in of that room. So everyone in that room has to have a business more than $10 million. And you're in that room. And now that big dude walks in. What do you think? And he goes, fucking hell, that dude's jacked and obviously making a lot of money. He must be like cranking in life. And I said, cool. So can you see how men admire other men who have mastery of life? Not one area. If a dude looks amazing in the gym and you talk to him and the dude's brain dead, has no money, can't hold on to a relationship, you know, is just an absolute dig bag. You're like, this guy's a fucking idiot. But when you see someone who's running a $50 million enterprise, who has a six pack, who is lean, who has an amazing intimate relationship and a partner, has a young child that he spends good quality time with, you're like, man, that dude is impressive. So men admire that in other men. Also, women admire that as well. Men and women admire the competence in other men and the achievement that they get by being competent and by being accountable. What they don't admire is dudes like a whole bunch of dudes get together on a Friday afternoon who will have beer guts, who will sit around and whinge and complain and talk about how shit their boss is. Then they go home. No decent woman will stay with a man long-term in that environment. The person who stays with a man in that environment is also like that. So if old mate gets home from work, he's smashed a heap of beers on Friday, he goes home, he speaks to his wife, Charlene, and Charlene talks about how fucked everything is and how fucked life is and how rich people are fucking assholes and they complain together, then that's their relationship. You're not going to have a high status person with a low status person. You can have two people who pull each other up. I love this about Jess. Jess holds me accountable to my status. She has always pulled me up when I'm down, but I always pull her up as well. And so we both keep pulling each other up to different levels. That's why we sit around at nighttime and talk about our day. Because what I can do is I can talk to her about where she's slipping or maybe how I can help her. And she does the same with me and she'll hold me accountable. Those relationships normally thrive over a long period of time because where are you going to find a better relationship than two people who are making each other better? When you have one person who is crushing it and the other person's fucking miserable, that's not going to last. When you've got one person who wants to be better, wants to feel safe, wants to feel supported, and wants to be in a relationship with a warrior, and the warrior comes home and is complaining and fucking doesn't take responsibility for shit, she's not going to support him. She's going to sit there and go, fuck, I've got to support this child. And most women that I meet, when I speak to them and when I do this at Thrive Time, I will normally ask women these questions. Most women do not respect their intimate partners, and they don't respect their intimate partners. They love them, but they just don't respect them. And they don't respect them because they keep getting let down by them. And because they don't see a man that admires himself and will do whatever it takes. And this is what I learned in my relationship with Jess. If I just walk up to her and say, hey, look, I'm going to work with this coach. It's $50,000 a year. How do we make it work? Jess would normally sit there and go, fucking hell, that's a lot of money. Shit. And I go, yeah, I know. It, it's definitely a lot. But we've done it before. We can do it again. So how do we make it work? And we talk through it. I don't go to her and say, hey, can I do this? Because when I say, can I do it? I'm weak. She knows that I'm fucking weak. The first thing that she's going to say is we've got bills coming up. We can't afford it. You know, now if we sold shit, we could afford it, right? So if I need to come up with 50 grand, I could just sell stuff. I could sell a bunch of invest, like some of my shares, investing, whatever. But the thing is, 
she doesn't perceive it like that. She looks in the bank account and says, the money's not there, just like you do, right? And so when the money's not there, she goes, oh shit, and she gets all scared and afraid. So when I'm there and I say, hey, how do I make this work? She's like, right, this dude's certain. He knows what he wants. Then she will walk away with certainty. She will come back to me and say, okay, we could move the money here. We might have to go on some form of payment option. Is there a way that we can do a payment option? I say, leave it with me. I'll figure it out. When I do that, it gives her certainty. So when most men say that their wives are crazy or their girlfriends are crazy or they don't understand or their wife doesn't trust them or their wife acts in a certain way, it normally tells me more about the man than it does the wife because the wife will naturally want to go and feel safe and protected and cared for and nurtured. If her partner cannot make her feel safe and comfortable, then she will feel unsafe and afraid. So when you go to your partner and you're like, hey, I need 50 grand, is it okay, fucking child, is it okay if I do this? What are your thoughts? Well, no, we can't afford it. We don't have the money. The money's not in the bank account. We've got all these things coming up. She's going to point out all the problems. And then dudes are like, well, fuck, I never get what I want. It's like, you don't get what you want because you can't communicate what you want. You asked her if it's okay. You didn't say to her, hey, I'm going to do this. How do we make it work? And then sit down and talk about how you made that decision and then walk through it with her. That's not going to make her feel safe if you do it in the other way. If if you say it with certainty, it's the same as in sales. If you work in sales, when you're certain, they're certain. Like when someone says to me, I actually had someone today, they said, and, and I've known this person for a while, they're like, oh, I'm thinking about signing up for the program. What do you reckon? And I asked them a question back. I said, do you think that if you're in an environment of people who are achieving more, do you think that's going to be a benefit or a disadvantage to you? Do you think that if you invest the money that it's going to give you more than what you paid or less than what you paid? Do you think that you're going to come out on the other side a better person or a less of a person for being part of my community and doing this program that you want to join up? And then she wrote back and she said, I was looking for reassurance, but I, I think I've already got it. And I said, I know you've always got it. And I said, you already know what to do. And she said, yeah, I do. And so that she signed up. All she needed was that reassurance, but I was sure that she already knew what to do. And so I just gave it back to her. I was certain that she, it would have been good for her. So I just gave her my certainty. Like I wasn't afraid of it. Now, when you're afraid and you go in and you talk to your partner and you're afraid, they're going to become afraid. When you're uncertain, they're going to become uncertain. If ever you do sales, if someone's on the other end of the phone, I have to make sure that I'm more certain than they are. Because if they're like, oh man, it's expensive. And I go, yeah, I know it's expensive, but all I'm doing is I'm reinforcing that it's expensive and it makes them more uncertain. When someone's like, oh man, three and a half grand is expensive. I'm like, man, a house is expensive. And they're like, oh yeah, that's a good point. I'm like, well, it is, it's true, right? A house is fucking expensive. My programs aren't expensive, right? My house will make you more money than what the house will in most cases if you just execute what I teach you. The only reason why you wouldn't execute what I teach you is because you don't believe that you're worth it. That's that simple. But that's why I do mindset shit. Because if we can change that, you'll know that you're worth it. So look, coming back to it, you have to consciously create the stories of your life. You have to make sure that other people reinforce the story that you give them. This is what marketing is. If I say to you a celebrity, you're like, oh, that person does this, this, and this. I had someone the other day talk to me and they said, oh, this person wants to come and do one of your programs. And I said, okay, cool. Tell me about them. They told me his fucking story. Why? Because that's the story that he promotes to the world. So my client, who I was with, told me the story that he knew of this person. We're always sharing our story. I share my story every day on social media. When I talk about Jess, you're like, 
hey, this guy has a business, he's got a supercar, yada, yada, yada. Because why? I create my story and I put it out online so that I dictate how other people talk about me. Now, some people talk shit about me as well, but I don't care. I control the narrative that I put out to the world. If you're not controlling the narrative that you put out to the world, don't be surprised if they write the narrative or the story for you. So keep hold of that pen, write the story, and make sure you live it. The more you live it, watch what happens. Your life will become the story that you want. I keep telling myself, I've got my goals now. I think about them every fucking day. And when I think about them, I keep reminding myself of the story that I'm creating. And I know that the story gets better and better and better every day that I execute, every day that I'm more disciplined, every day I make the tough decisions, every day I move forward outside of my comfort zone, every time I push harder, I'm just creating a better story, which is why I do it. But I already have the story already created in my mind. The story is created in my mind. Now I'm just waiting for the rest of the world to catch up through my execution of that story. If you sit there and you keep reinforcing your past story, then the story that you're executing on every day is your past. And all you're going to do is keep creating the person that everybody already knows with all of your problems, with all of your stresses, with all of your frustrations, with all of your fears, with all of your concerns. And that's going to be the story you reinforce. So make sure you control the story that happens in your mind first. That's the thing you need to build out. Then give that story to the world through your execution, through your accountability, and so on. Anyway, Driven Mofos, have a great day. Keep your standards high. Keep kicking ass. And always make the tough decisions. Keep living with Mojo. See you on the next episode.